Pastor Steve's going to take another bite at the apple here. I can't get away from this Ephesians 6 thing. I want to move on to other things, um, but Ephesians 6 and this whole matter of the armor of God, the whole armor of God, I mean, this is so important. This is not something that um, we can overlook because mission success is critical on this particular aspect of our walk with God. You may have the best of intentions, but if you don't have the armor of God on, you're toast. You are facing an adversary within your own nature. Okay, you, you've got somebody on board. You've got a rebel on board right off the bat. Okay, so the world, the flesh, the death, all of this is what, if we are actually going to lead a victorious and successful and fruitful Christian life, got to have the armor of God on, okay? And uh, so we're going to go back to that this morning and take another look. And what um, it's just the process of how things work. You know, I, I get into a topic, and then I start digging into the topic. Then I start researching topic, and then I want to build an intro to the topic, and then I want to illustrate the topic. And before you know it, I got like a foundation that is like 50 miles wide. And I haven't gotten to the, to the, to the matter at hand yet. But, I, but you know what? I know that this congregation loves me and will give me a pass, even if I don't do, you know, preach the absolute best sermon that was ever preached. But anyway, Ephesians chapter 6, look at that. Ephesians 6, we're talking the whole armor of God. And let's uh, take a look again at this passage of Scripture and uh, allow it to speak to our hearts. Finally, be strong in the Lord. I like the New King James. Be strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because that's really the, uh, the nature of the uh, grammar there. Be strengthened in the Lord. It's, it's a uh, um, passive mood. It's the subject is the receiver. Be strengthened. You are to be strengthened in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Are there any schemes of the devil, do you think, going on these days? Holy mackerel, right? I mean, we are surrounded. We are inundated. We are overwhelmed by falsehood, by deception, by, I mean, like, it is as blatant as it has ever been, right? Where, you know, again, some of the things that have come up, the, the whole transgender ideology and the way, I mean, the, all, the way that all of this is working and has been positioned in the school to be this group that in subterfuge is like um, presenting an influence on the youngest of children to groom them. There's no other way to see this. It is a grooming process to try to sexualize children as early as possible because these people have a different ideology and a different view of life. And you would think, well, how in the world could anybody think that the answer to the future is to sexualize and, and sexually um, twist or create um, controversy or confusion? You know, God is not the author of confusion, so that'll tell you a whole lot about the trans thing right there. 
Okay, God is not. Now, there are people who genuinely uh, struggle and suffer with, a, with, a, with a, an issue like this, with a transphobic um, type of, or not transphobic, but um, what's the right word there? Anyway, but with, but with that whole, um, I forget what exactly the, the name is for that. It's a reality, and, and I would certainly want to, if, if possible, be of help and encouragement to a person who is struggling in that way. But the answer is not to make everybody else say something that's not true. That's not the answer to your problem. The answer to your problem is not that everybody else will agree to, you know, what, what's going on um, in your life and, and, and lie. And essentially, uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at, that are there schemes of the devil? Are, are we living in the midst of deception that is like as pronounced and, and as bold um, as it could possibly be? Oh, that's for sure. So I better have the armor of God on so that I can be able to stand against the wiles of the devil because people are just being sucked into all of this. Amen, Pastor Steve. That's good preaching. <clears throat> Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's who's calling the shots in this world. The spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's who's calling the shots. Chapter 2 says it very clearly. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's the spirit that is now at work or now works in the hearts of those who are disobedient. And were by nature children of wrath, even as the other, even as all the others. So the, the book of Ephesians is really clear. It's letting us know. I mean, adjust this a tad. It's letting us know very clearly who's running the show down here. And it isn't the Lord Jesus. He sovereignly will, his plan will prevail. So there's no question about that. But in the meantime, he's just given lots of leash. He's giving just plenty of rope. But if you're not careful, the rope that he gives you will be that which hangs you. Okay, so God is being very patient and very gracious in terms of giving us the ability to express our free choices and our free will. But in the long run, that's a dangerous road because the only road that is really secure, the only, will, the only way to really secure the fact that, you're, uh, that you will, your life is moving in a direction that will be positive and fruitful is to align your life with the ways of the Creator. And if our, li if our lives and our ways, you know, he says, look, your ways are not way my ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your ways. And so somebody's got to change something somewhere. And either God is going to come down and start doing things my way. <laughs> and I've been trying to persuade him of, to do that for 40 some odd years now at this point. And he's just, you know intransigent on this matter. You know, I just can't seem to get him to do what I want. So, it's like the guy who I heard years ago, I, I, I know I've mentioned this before, he, he was um, preaching from that verse of Scripture that says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphant procession in Christ Jesus. And, uh, and he talked about, uh, the title of his message was Chained to the Chariot. 
and he talked about how when victorious generals would come back from conquering a, a foe, they would take all the generals of that particular army that was now vanquished or defeated, and they would chain them to the chariot of the victorious conquering general, and then march them into the city, um, drag them into, into the city if necessary, just to display, to make an open display of the fact that they had been um, beaten. And that he would, and so <clears throat> that same that same uh, analogy, or same word picture, is what uh, Paul is referring to when he says, "But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphant procession in Christ." Same concept is there that we are in fact chained to His chariots. We are the trophies of His victory, but instead of kind of being dragged, we're just happily walking along. We are liberated. It's an entirely different thing. When Christ comes into our life, it isn't to subjugate us, it is to liberate us, right? If you continue in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you continue in my word, you, will be, you are my disciples indeed, you will know the truth, and the truth will set <clears throat> you free. So the guy in his message was saying, I don't know about you, but I, I, what I, want, uh, I want to get in the chariot and drive for a while, and just doesn't work that way. <clears throat> For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil, evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore. There you are. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate <clears throat> of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and all supplication. All right, let's, <clears throat> let's commit this time and commit ourselves and our thoughts <clears throat> to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to be here this morning and hearing and receiving your word, and, uh, and we thank you that you've not left us in this dark world without instructions, and without guidance, and your word, as David said, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and by it, we find our way through this world, and not only find our way as though, as though we were just stumbling along, but we, we, we can walk victoriously, live victoriously above those things that are destroying lives everywhere, all around us. And yet, by putting on the armor of God, by listening, by taking heed to your instruction, to your word, we are able to find your victory made manifest in our lives. So we thank you for this time to be together. Thank you for this place, all that you have provided. Thank you for everybody here. Thank you for all the effort that was made to get to church today. Because it doesn't happen, I know, just all by itself. It takes work. It takes a lot. 
takes energy. And so I thank you. I thank you for every family that's here. I thank you for every couple that's here. I thank you for every young person that's here. Oh, Lord God, I thank you that, that you, you have a, a love and a purpose and, and a plan. We are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which you have prepared in advance that we should walk in them. So, Lord, may we have a, a, a slightly clearer glimpse as we sang this morning, open the eyes of my heart, which is exactly what David or what Paul was praying for the people in Ephesus in this first chapter, that the eyes of your understanding would be opened. <clears throat> so, Lord, open the eyes of our heart. Help us to see the truth of your word. Pray that you will give us insight, and revelation, and understanding of it so that we may, able, may be able to live it out and, and uh, thereby be able to uh, see you um, fulfill your promise that if we walk in your ways, if our ways are conformable to your ways, um, our lives will be blessed and abundantly fruitful. So we thank you for this time. Bless, we pray, the study of your word. Ask this now in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so once again, Ephesians chapter 6, you know, all of its associated lessons and, and insights. And the reason is <clears throat> that we're going back here and that I just can't seem to help myself is because of the monumental significance, the monumental importance of this topic to your success your life success, my life success. In other words, Paul is not saying this, did not write these things because they were just a nice idea or sounded good or sounded real spiritual or something like that. He was writing because this is essential. These, these um, um, aspects of, the, uh, of the, uh, the armor of God are, are essential. Now, what, what is also important as we jump into this is to realize that the passage was not written to give us a lesson on first century military attire. That's not anything that we really need to know that much about, okay? <clears throat> and oftentimes, the whole teaching on this tends to move in that direction. So we start talking about how the helmet was made and, you know, how many ply of leather it was or how, what shape the shield was or how about those, you know, those uh, sandals of the gospel. You know what I mean? And it's easy to get wrapped up in the, the elements or the, the, the pieces of armor. But the real matter here is that those things are just symbols for the real things that, um, that we are needing uh, to look around, to look at and, and to understand. Um, it's, the, the lesson is not here so that we would learn facts about the soldier's equipment. Paul is using the metaphor of a soldier in order to express how critically important the items that he is listing are for the protection, effectiveness, and success of the person who has been called by God to become part of the new world and the new humanity and the new family that God is presently creating. If you've ever wondered, what is God up to? God's building himself a family right now. God's having kids, okay? And all over the world, there are people who are responding. The, the seed for this, because children always take some type of an implantation of seed, right? The seed for all of this is the gospel message. The gospel is the call. The gospel is the good news. And the gospel um, is exactly the gospel of the kingdom of heaven or the gospel of the kingdom of God is precisely what Jesus came down here to declare and to proclaim and then to open up so that everyone can enter into it, right? The gospel is this good news call that is, that is encouraging rebels and sinners to come home, 
and come and return back to the Father. So <clears throat> uh, as just in considering this whole matter, um, let's say theologically, or to, to understand this whole matter of, of what God is doing, he is building a new humanity. It's evidenced in the verse of Scripture that we find in 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? If, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's meant to be taken at its full face value. A not just, he's just, he's being made better. It's like if anybody is in Christ, he's part of, or she, is part of a whole new realm of creation that God is doing. All of this has a time stamp on it. Everything down here is going to run out of gas. Everything that, hap- that is happening on earth, all of it is going to perish and will be and will waste away. But this new kingdom that God is now inviting us into, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God or the church, all these are kind of synonymous names for, this, for the expression of what it is that God is doing. This is going to be eternal. We're just kind of getting off the ground with this now. We're just kind of returning back to God and getting back in touch with him and learning his ways. <clears throat> so um, Paul is giving us this, this metaphor of the Roman soldier and, and the um, aspects of his military hardware uh, in order to prepare us for what it is that we're about to enter into or what it is that we have entered into. We have come into a situation that's full of battle and animosity and warfare. That's what you, that's what, that, that's what we're the lucky ones to receive once we have accepted Christ. You accepted an invitation to go to war. And so <clears throat> the gospel is the call. There's a couple of verses that I want to uh, just point to again as we kind of get this off the ground. But these are both found. One's found in the gospel of Matthew. The other one's found in the gospel of Mark. Here's the, the Mark one first. No, the Matthew one first. And it says, from that time, now this is, this is speaking to us about the very first message that Jesus came to preach. And this message about the kingdom of heaven or about the kingdom of God is basically the fundamental message that he has to share. That there is, there is a kingdom that is, that whose doors are now open and people who have been on the outside of that kingdom because they have transgressed, because, they have been tr- because we have transgressed, because we have been treasonous against the king and have broken and violated the laws of the king we ought to just, the door ought to be shut and we should just be children of wrath. Though, in other words, no hope, no chance getting back in. But God has made a way through Christ Jesus to open the doors back up so that we can re-enter into his kingdom. But that concept of kingdom has um, overtones. The, the, the notion of, of kingdom implies certain things. Primarily, it implies a king. Right? It implies dominion. It, it, it applies, uh, implies authority. It, it, it implies obedience. It implies submission. And all of these things are built into this idea of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God or the other New Testament synonym for either the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, the church. When Jesus comes, he, he is presenting this idea, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oh, we'll look at the... the these two. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in, uh, in Mark, we read, um, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, 
proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So we are being summoned into or drawn into or called into this new family that God is building. You could call it the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. You call it the church. All of those things are synonyms for basically the same thing. That we are being invited into the family that God is now um, building. Um, kingdom implies there's a king, a ruler, someone who governs, uh, governs or oversees this specific system or structure or domain. Uh, the, the word church, how, does that, how that fits in here is the, the church, the word for church, the Greek word for church is ekklesia. Ekklesia means to be called out. Okay, so we are being called out of this lost, fallen, broken, rebellious world. We are being called to leave it behind. God says, come out from among them and be separate. I will be your God and you will be my kids. So it's important that we understand that the world that we are living in the midst of is a broken catastrophe. Uh, when, when, when Paul writes in the book of Romans and says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, he's just simply noting that what this is down here is way, way, way different than what God would have had it to look like. Okay, but this is the way that it is. But now we are being uh, offered the opportunity to be reconciled, to be reconciled back to the God of creation. So the church is the called out. And um, to reduce the gospel down to its, its fundamental essence, the, the call or the message or, or the good news is that by which we learn that God is inviting people to surrender or renounce the rule of the autonomous self. Listen to this, right? Because th this is the fundamental of the whole thing. God is inviting people to surrender or renounce the rule of the autonomous self and return to God in willing obedience to his standards. Because the truth is that we've all lived our lives in ignorance of God at best or at worst in conscious defiance and rebellion against his righteous moral standards. So God would be thoroughly justified to just simply say to hell with you guys. Done. But because of his grace and because of, but, you know, back to that second chapter, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of the love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, raised us up together with Christ and made us sit together with him in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. And so that's who we now are. And so Paul has given us all this information, but now he says, it's not going to do you any good unless you put on the armor of God, unless you are prepared to face this thing like a soldier, unless you're prepared to suffer a little bit for this, unless you're prepared to sacrifice a little something. I, I'll tell you that to the exact degree that you are willing to make surrenders and sacrifices to the Lord Jesus, that will be the degree to which you will be a fruitful believer. It is all about that. And it's not fanfare. It's not, there'll be things that you will be asked to yield to and, and surrender over to God that no one will ever know about. It's just personally a thing between you and God. Might be your lifestyle, might be your habits, might be your words, might be your vocabulary, all kinds of things that are uh, inconsistent with the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And so 
many, you know, so we're being, we're being, it is a requirement to surrender the autonomous rule of the self and um, to, uh, to return to God with a, an attitude of willing uh, submission and obedience. <clears throat> now, another, uh, the key term, or let's say maybe the, the term that activates all of this or actually makes it happen is this word, repent. What a great word. What a great word. That, so, doesn't that sound like, that, just that, that, that word has a harsh sound to it. Repent! Right? It's, it, it seems like it ought to be always said with that tone of voice. Repent! Right? There's this very, like, loud, angry, tyrant. Right? You, and, and, and actually, the word has, is not that at all. It's actually quite a soft word. Okay? In Greek, it's metanoia. That's pretty soft, isn't it? Right? Metanoia. Right? What is metanoia? It means to change your mind. Metanoia. Noia is knowledge. Gnosis. You've heard things like that, things related to that, is knowledge in the Greek. And so metanoia means to, to let your mind go through a change, to, to give new information. See, that's the problem. The reason that we are alienated and estranged and distant and separated and sinful um, with God is that we just didn't have the right information. We're born in the world where we don't have any information. And it's not until we get into the Word of God it's not, it's, you know, I was thinking about, you know, again, Jesus is, in, in these two verses, you can see that what's on his mind is communicating the kingdom. If you go to some place like Matthew 13, and it's all about these kingdom parables. A sower went out to sow. When he went out to sow, he took some seed, he threw it around, and some fell on good ground, and some fell on harsh ground, and some got stolen away by the birds of the air. And, and, it, and it's, it's the whole um, concept behind this. Um, this growth of the kingdom, that some, th- this kingdom is growing like a, a field of barley or wheat or rye or oats or whatever. It's growing like that because someone has sown the seed. Jesus, of course, is the original sower of the seed, and the seed comes down, and the seed, when the seed, depending upon where that seed lands in your life and what kind of fertility it finds in you, it has the potential to come up 30, 60, and 100-fold. Are you with me? You don't care about that. Oh, yeah, you do. You better care about that. So this whole thing is, is God inviting us back into, into um, relationship with him. But the, 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 the key term is repent. Repentance is key to accessing the promised spiritual blessings and benefits which God is graciously offering to those who have found themselves now awakened. Now, I was thinking today, we, the, the term woke ought to belong to us. You know, it really does. Woke ought to belong to us because what, that's exactly what God has done in our life. He, he's woke us up, right? In other words, we were spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins. We were spiritually asleep and estranged from God and making one mistake and doing one stupid thing after the next. And then by the grace of God, we woke up. And so this whole concept, um, and, and, and the beauty of all that is if should I get into this? <laughs> Maybe. We'll see what happens. But the, the awakening of God like brings you into a life that is full of abundance and truth and reality and substance. 
okay? But to be woke to this other ideology is to come into something that is errant, foolish, unreal, evil, causing nothing but contention among people, like, like um, what's the, just stirring up animosity between everybody. That's the whole woke ideology. You, white person, are bad eternally. You have committed a sin. You were born white. And there is no salvation for this. All you can do is go around for the rest of your life and apologize. That's, that's really it. There is no hope that you can ever be absolved of your sin or, be, or somehow because you just ain't black. Now, the, the way this whole thing is playing out, that ideology is just putting people into nothing but tension and anger and resentment and bitterness. That's all it's stoking. That's all it's capable of. The fruit of that spirit is anger, bitterness, resentment, jealousy, envy. That's, that's what the fruit of that spirit is, but the fruit of the spirit is something different. Thank heaven. So anyway, <clears throat> um, without repentance, where was I? Okay, so we've, we've been awakened to God's, God's standards for life. Um, without repent, uh, repentance is the change of mind that leads to behavior. And, and if there is no repentance in, in our life, I'm, I'm like a person who received a tip Let's say, a, let's say a stock market tip. So somebody comes along and says to me, hey, Steve, nobody knows anything about this yet. This is completely, this is, this, this is, um, this is entirely unknown, but I'm telling you so that you can benefit. Bill Gates is about to buy my company. Okay, here's an opportunity. Here's a crazy opportunity. There's an opportunity to buy something for one thing and have it go up like unbelievably in a very short amount of time, right? And, I, and if I, the, without repentance in terms of the application to our walk with God, if there is no repentance, I'm like the person who heard that tip and said, that is awesome, that is wonderful, that is great news, and I don't put any money on it, and I just think about it. But I, and so I will never receive the benefit that comes. Remember when we started this whole thing, there was an initial verse that we were looking at over and over again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So there's, there's blessing to be had here. There's fruit to be had here. But repentance is what activates it. <clears throat> so... Um, so the theme of this chapter is that you have been called, invited by God to reject the folly of self-rule, which inevitably leads to sin and outright rebellion against God and embrace God's right to rule over your life. But be aware, when you do this, when you accept this invitation, when you sign up, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are entering a war zone. And it will pit you against your own fallen nature it will pitch you against the course of this world and all of its ways. It will pitch you inevitably against the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now rules in this world. So when you become a follower of Jesus, you sign up for some serious adversity. The good news is, if you put on the armor of God, you win. That's a guarantee. 
in the same way that Jesus won. Although it, you might, I'm, I'm sure that when he was crucified on Good Friday, I'm sure that I'm sure that nobody says, "Boy, that's that's winning." You know, I want that. But he he fulfilled God's call for his life. Although that wasn't something that was just that only had positive or pretty or beneficial or nice aspects to it. It cost him the trip to the cross. But that trip to the cross uh, made it possible for him to. Uh, uh, to, to procure a salvation for the entire world. So, um, true reconciliation or getting right with God will make us enemies with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so this passage prepares believers. And again, that's why this is so important. That's why this armor of God thing is so important. It prepares believers for the inevitable battle with the flesh, the world, and the devil. Um, and that's a pretty, pretty formidable uh, challenge and so we need to have on the whole armor of God <clears throat> or, we're, or we will not be able to fulfill the purpose and plan of God. So as I count them, there are seven essentials in this list um, that, that, that are, this is exactly what the well-dressed warrior is wearing this season, these seven essentials. And again, we don't want to get sidetracked on the, on, on the, pieces of armor and how those things were made and what they look like, okay, you know, that, that is somewhat interesting, but the, the real emphasis has all to do with these seven items that Paul lays out. So let's go through them. The whole armor of God. So here, here are those as Paul lists them. He says the first thing, the first, and, and, and this is, well, I don't know if all of it can be said to be incremental in terms of the order of importance, but certainly this one is the most fundamental. Because without truth, there is no possibility for there to be any kind of like life, success, victory, nothing, unless truth is a fundamental passion in our life, um, we, will, we will fail to... Um, inherit the full blessing of God. So the first thing, truth. Truth is likened to a belt which bound up the loose garments of the soldier. So we're going to look at truth and talk about that for a little while this morning. Secondarily is righteousness. Righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We will take time in weeks to come to look at righteousness. Happily, we have, been, we have been given a righteousness that is the righteousness of Christ. We have been um, a, a standard or state of righteousness has been imputed to us. You are now a righteous person because of your faith in Jesus Christ. That is the, the that, that faith is what now makes us righteous in the sight of God. So truth, righteousness. The third thing is always being prepared to share the gospel wherever the road may lead. Okay, the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's an interesting concept, this whole idea of the sandals of the Roman soldier, right? But to, to apply it, it is, a ma- it is the matter of always being prepared that in whatever setting, like you never know where life may take you. You, don't get a, you didn't get a blueprint. And, and it's not, at least it isn't for me, always possible to know with precision, oh, this is exactly where God is leading me. Door, <coughs> excuse me, doors open up. <clears throat> situations happen, you, people, you meet people, you know, th- things just happen in this world. Opportunities present themselves. And in the course of those opportunities, you, you walk in that and you, you explore it to see what's going on there. But here's the one thing that I will absolutely guarantee you of. 
if you are the person who has already made the decision that wherever you go, you're going to be God's person. Yeah, you don't have to be, you know, some kind of an annoyance. You don't have to hassle people with Bible verses and things. That's not it. But if, if it is your predisposition that wherever you go, whatever job opens up for you, whatever new position opens up for you, whatever people you meet and come into contact with. And again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you want to be anything like some kind of religious crackpot. I'm just simply saying, you want to be a Jesus person, that's all. You want to be the person who loves the Lord, whether you're at home or whether you're in church or whether you're in the job or you're down in the Acme or no matter where you happen to be, you're a Jesus person. Um, the, the first thing that will do for you is it will make all the wrong people avoid you. That's really true. Right? Now, again, you're not, not because you're being odd. It's just that once people know that you're really a for real Christian, that Jesus is real in your life, and that you love him, and that, you, you know, that, that your, your great desire is to honor and respect him, and his name, and, his, and his, all of that, right? All the wrong people will stay so far away from you. You won't have to, like, change your friendships. They will, they'll be long gone. So the preparation, being prepared to share the gospel in whatever situation um, may come about. Wake up. Okay. <clears throat> the next thing is faith. Okay, faith is an essential. He says, take up the shield of faith. It is a shield. Faith is a shield to fend off the fiery darts or the accusations, the doubts, the discouragements which come at you from the devil and those who are in his service. Sometimes it will just come from some um, purely spiritual source. Oftentimes it will come from the person that you least expected it to come from. But if we, are, if we have faith as a shield, it will um, enable us to fend off the fiery darts, accusations, doubts, and discouragements, which come from a variety of different sources. Then he says, put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation. And again, I, I, I take this... To mean, um, it's funny because my mom is here. Hello, mom. And um, my, on, 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 um, once the fall comes around, of course, once we get done with church, we all go over to our house, and then we eat, and we watch football games, like all intelligent people. Okay? <laughs> and so we watch football games. And my, my mom has commented a number of times and, uh, and I usually make it, my, it's kind of like my custom to go down to her place on Monday night, and we've been doing this for about 20 years, Monday night football. It was particularly initially the draw. Uh, but my, so we're, we'll, we'll watch football, and my, my mother will kind of almost invariably say, gee, Stevie, it must be awful uncomfortable for them to play with those big things on their head. <laughs> right? <clears throat> and yeah, agreed. It probably is. I've played football. It's probably a little less than comfortable to have this big plastic helmet on your head. But it'd be a whole lot less comfortable to go out on a football field without one. You, you, you wouldn't be out there very long and just the, the nature of the violent nature of that whole sport. You need to have that on. And 
that's what he's getting at, that all these pieces, they, they, they may not necessarily seem like they're the most attractive attire going or they're, you know, the most fashionable thing going, but they are essential for, for victory. So <clears throat> faith, faith <clears throat> is like a shield with which the fiery darts. Oh, that's where we were, and we are talking about salvation. And I would say that <clears throat> when it comes to this idea of salvation as a helmet, something that's protecting your head, I, I think that Paul is talking about the assurance of salvation. In other words, you, you must know that your salvation was a gift. You did not earn it. You cannot be worthy of it. Nothing you can ever do can ever make God love you more than he loves you already because it is his nature to love. It is not your loveliness that is causing him to love you. It is his nature to love. And so this, this matter of salvation and the helmet of salvation, it's so important that we that, that protects your head. Your head is probably the most vital, I mean, in terms of externally, your head is the most vital area of your body. And that, that aspect of um, the, the salvation being a, a helmet is, <clears throat> I think, essential to know that my salvation is something that God has done for me, has given to me. I am not worthy of it. I didn't earn it. He's, it is just a free gift of God, and, and all I can do is thank him for it and, and, and continue to walk in it. In other words, to have that kind of security. There are many people who, just, who never get to that place of security, so they're always struggling, trying to make God happy and trying to do, or if they've sinned or fallen short or done something wrong. Everybody in this room has sinned this week. Thank you. Right? Everybody in this room has sinned. Has, there's, there's, on the best day that we've ever lived, we will fall short of the standard of God's perfection. That's not to condone it or it's not to approve it. It's just real. It's just the way that it is. So this whole thing of the helmet of salvation, it is having your, your mind and your, your head protected with the reality of what God has done for you so that you are are always so so that there is a confidence in that I'm a saved I am saved if the if the they drop the big one now okay I'd like to put a big X right out on the parking lot here of Freedom Church you know drop it right here because I'm ready to go as soon as uh, the Lord is ready to right because I'm confident of this aspect of salvation I know what I know what it I know the, the story. I understand what has happened here. I understand that it was, when I think of what God did to accomplish that, it would just simply be, um, it would be wrong to not glory in it and, and, and revel in the, the goodness of God in providing it. So we have truth, we have righteousness, we have the shoes of the gospel of peace, we have faith, we have the helmet of salvation, we have Next, the Word of God. No, salvation, that was the one we just did. Next, we have the Word of God, which is likened in this particular um, story to us, or in this particular chapter, to a sword. It is, it is the only one of these things that is offensive by nature. It is, and, and, and in this um, same chapter, we, we read about this idea of the sword of the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. And that sword of the Spirit is, 
is, um, is like the, I don't know, what's the present um, infantryman's rifle? M16? Is that what guys get? Is that what the government is? Anyway, the, 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 the sword of the spirit was like this Roman two-edged double sword, and it was a death-dealing instrument. It was made to kill people. And, 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 and to, to hurt them. So this sword of the Spirit, this is the Word of God. This is the, the offensive weapon that we have by which we can go out and engage the wrong ideas, the foolish ideas, the crazy ideas of the world around us. The strongholds, Paul says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then finally, prayer. There we go. So in this chapter, he's talking about the, the armor of God, and it involves truth. Truth has to be an essential aspect of life. Righteousness has to be an essential passion of life, being prepared to share the gospel wherever the road may lead. Faith, which is a shield to, send, to fend off fiery darts. Salvation, which is the assurance of God's saving work in my life as a, as a helmet. The word of God is a sword and a prayer. So Today, and um, again, just be able to touch this, but there's so much that, uh, that could, be, um, could be looked at. We'll talk about the belt of truth. We'll talk about truth. Have you noticed that um, there seems to be a lot of people playing pretty fast and loose with the truth these days? You know, like in the last um, service, I was just kind of calling up that image of a Supreme Court justice nominee who comes to the, to the Congress to um, be interviewed, so to speak, and to be approved or be voted upon. And the Supreme Court justice is asked, can you define a woman? Can you provide a definition for a woman? You can't be serious. Right? Now, she's only there because she's a woman. Right? It was made clear beforehand that only a woman would qualify for this particular position. Right? A black woman. This is what the president had said. This is who I'm going to choose. This will be the, these, these will be the characteristics of the president's choose. So the only reason you're there is because you're a woman. Uh, Veronica, can, could you define for us what a woman is? Do, do you think, do you suppose, would that be very difficult for you to do? I understand you're not a biologist. <laughs> okay. Could, but could you offer some type of, I'm not asking you to do it. I'm just saying, do you think you could? Sure. Right? What do you think, Lorraine? Carrie, could you, could you if I asked you, Carrie, what is a woman? Right? That really wouldn't be all that hard. Right? Okay. Like, um, it's the female member of the human race, adult female member of the human race. Pretty simple, right? There, everybody, like, the truth is being, like, messed with everywhere. The, the whole thing of, like, you know, me, uh, the people competing in the sports of the, of the opposite sex, right? This guy from UPenn and this guy who now is a girl. The point that I'm making and, it, and it's not to deride or mock this thing. I don't know whether it's better, though, how to mock it or to, or to try to address it, to correct it in, in such a way. But it's so bizarre. It's so insane 
that and everyone will look on and say, oh yeah, that guy who used to be swimming as a man and was like down somewhere in like, you know, 175, you know what I mean, in terms of like the standings, all of a sudden becomes a woman and is beating everybody left and right. And it, I'm probably not the only person that's saying like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Right? But everybody or else is going, oh, yes. You know, watch something. I, I watched Matt Walsh the other day, and he, 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 uh, he does these um, reviews of uh, the libs of TikTok. I, I don't really get into TikTok. I don't think I've ever tuned in TikTok. I tend, if you do, man, you better be careful because there is so much schmutz. Okay, it is such trash. It is so, it, it is so wicked. Everything that I see coming out of there, right? I, again, I don't go there. I'm not interested. But everything that I see coming out of there is like errant and ugly and vile and dumb. And it's, it's anyway, so he's, uh, he's doing these reports of these various different people that are on there who are giving dating advice. Okay, and all these, people are, these people are giving, da- this is not a person that I would take their advice, you know, as to how I should wash my car, <laughs> much less, like, what, what would be the proper etiquette for, you know what I mean? It's, it, but the, right, the point that I'm getting at or trying to get at is just simply that the truth is being messed with constantly, okay? And we have to, as believers, we have a basis for truth. The Lord in his last prayer said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you will be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth doesn't, like, mess you up. Truth releases you into, into reality. Truth has to correspond to reality. That's where it goes off the rails. When someone tells you that something is true, but it does not correspond to reality, you're under no obligation to receive or hear what that person has to say. Because real truth will always correspond to reality. As a matter of fact, I think I even, and I guess we'll just have to, why do you keep shutting off? What's your problem? Right, definitions of truth, okay? And I'll close with this, dictionary.com. Maybe I even have it up here. Yeah, dictionary.com. The actual, truth is the actual state of matter in conformity with reality. And Wikipedia, to be in accord with fact or reality. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary, truth is fidelity, it is constancy, it is fact, it is actuality. So far, so good. All of this comports well with how the concept of truth is, deci- is defined in the New, New Testament. This is according to Vine's Expository, Dix- excuse me, Vine's Expository Dictionary, the word aletheia, which is the word for truth, means the reality lying at the basis of appearance, the manifested, veritable essence of a matter. It's what, it's what is real. That's what truth is all about. And when we're looking at things or being offered things, it's like, you're telling me this is one thing, but I know it's not that. It's definitely something different. So we're, there, there is a major, and there has been, and that's because this one most fundamental thing has been challenged for 
60, 70 years now regarding uh, the philosophy of postmodernism. Should we get into postmodernism? <laughs> I, I remember when I first heard the term postmodernism, I thought, I don't even understand what that means. How can something be postmodern? Doesn't modern mean now? And if it's both, right? It took a little while. But this whole advent of postmodernist theology essentially, at its core, denies the reality of truth itself. It says, there is no such thing as truth. There is only one thing that's real, according to postmodern ideology, and that's power. Okay, power is the only thing that matters, and truth doesn't even exist. Okay, there is no truth, and so far we've been going through ethical relativism and subjective, um, and you know the, the um, what is the way that um, situational ethics and things that have been part of the culture for 50, 60 years, so that things that so that the truth is always malleable, the truth can always be twisted, the truth can always be distorted, but in reality, no, it can't. No, it can't. And the, the embodiment and the full sum totality of truth is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. All right, we're going to have to press the pause button. We're going to take this thing on again next week. But consider that as you are watching TV this week or as you are hearing information, ask yourself, is this true? Is this what I'm hearing? Is it true? And it's just, it's astonishing how more and more and more of everything that's coming down the line to us is being totally distorted. Okay, there's, there's 160 to 250,000 people every month coming into our country illegally. Every month. That's true. It's being treated as if it doesn't exist. You know what I mean? It's being treated like, no, no, it's not. No, this isn't really happening. I don't know. That's where we're at. And so it just makes this whole aspect of put on the armor of God, this, this fundamental um, uh, need or desire that, that it's only truth. That if it isn't truth, I reject it right off the bat. Okay, so let's, Lord God, if, the, if anybody was ever in doubt as to whether or not our world is fallen and corrupt, I would think that season would be over because we see so much falsehood, so much fraud, so much lying, so much deceit, so much playing fast and loose with the truth all the time, particularly in politics and that whole realm that it's just apparent these days that our world is a mess. But we thank you, O oh Lord, that you came into this world to conquer it, to overcome it, and to show us that because you live, we will live as well. So I want to thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing. I thank you for this armor that we can put on. I thank you that you have given us kind of like the, the internal BS detector because you have supplied and provided for us the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth, and nothing gets by him. 
So we thank and praise you, Lord. Thank you for drawing us into your family. Continue, we pray, to make us wise, make us discerning, help us to see through the sham and the facade that is all around. I pray for our young people here because they are being bombarded perpetually by the educational institutions that they're passing through and by people whose concepts are like all twisted up. And Lord God, I pray that you will um, allow Give them grace to stand strong in the faith with this armor of God on. More to say about that later. Anyway, thank you, Lord, for your love over us. Continue to guide us through this world. Help us to have, as your word says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, expose them. May we be capable of exposing the error and the foolishness around us so that truth may prevail. And it will. So, Lord, let your blessing be upon each and every one. Fill us with your Holy Spirit here today. Fill us with love for you and love for others. Fill us with a heart to serve others and to bless others and to help others. And we'll give you thanks for all the good things that are forthcoming in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's stand together.